values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Monday. Thanks for joining the show for a few moments. Another big announcement about investment in a business, I should say in an industry here in Arizona. LG is going to spend $5.5 billion on a battery factory in the Far East Valley. This is just one more big investment in the state of Arizona from companies from outside of the U.S. It is a trend, and I wanted to find out a little bit more about the trend. So, of course, when we want to talk about these things, we go to our friends over at the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and Danny Seiden joins us. Big news, right, Danny? Huge news, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, as, as you said, this is a $5.5 billion announcement for LG Energy Solutions, which, you know, adds to our already robust renewable energy ecosystem we've been building here. We have other battery manufacturers that have announced in the last two years from Core Power, American Battery Factory, Scion Power, and then we have Recyclers, Lifecycle, EcoBat, Service Solutions. Arizona is becoming a hub for this type of advanced tech manufacturing. It's great. So before we talk about how long it takes to get something like this to happen, let's talk about the why for a moment. Why are we seeing these companies, whether it's in the chip industry or in the battery industry or the tech industry, why are they coming to Arizona? Well, like the first answer is policy matters. For the last eight years, Arizona has been laser focused on diversifying its economy by creating a policy environment that encourages innovation, lowers regulation, um, allows these manufacturers to come in and, you know, in a way that's competitive, not just nationally, but globally. So, um, you know, with the prior governor, Governor Doug Ducey and current Governor Hobbs so far, we have continued this trend of creating um, a state that is the most globally competitive in the in the world right now um, to come into advanced tech manufacturing we're talking not just taxes but the regulatory environment and um, you know how, how do we build our own supply chain in the state by supporting small businesses as well as large businesses you know labor the way the universities come into play here ASU has been a great partner with their um, you know new economy initiative in uh, graduating 30,000 engineers the next few years. There's so much good news coming out of Arizona right now, but it's a a big team effort to make this happen for our economy. So let's talk about a little bit about this project specifically, because it's going to be in Queen Creek, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So when we talk about these issues, when when you talk about this particular project, the state's got to be involved. The town of Queen Creek has to be involved. I would imagine the power company, how you're going to get facilities and and roads out there. Um, How long does a project like this from the concept to actually them signing the deal? How long does that generally take? You know, it varies, but to talk a little bit specifically about this project, as you noted, this is a South Korean company, LG. And what usually happens is we get wind that they're looking to expand or invest, make a foreign direct investment. And um, the Arizona Commerce Authority, led by Sandra Watson, um, is very, very skilled. I would say she's probably the best commerce secretary in the country for a state. And so she'll put together, you know, an initial trade delegation and we'll go over to South Korea. We'll meet with the executives over there. We'll talk about the regulatory environment. We'll talk about why Arizona is a good place to come and do business and how we're stable. And it doesn't, you know, we, you can look at a, a, a picture over a decade and why we have the talent and labor. And you look at a place like Queen Creek that's close to rail yards, it's close to not too far from the border. You have a good distribution center. You, you sell the state and you sell the region. And um, it all starts with uh, the Commerce Authority. And I would say it can be anywhere from multiple, you know, as, as many years, if you look at a TSMC, that, that was 
you know, started way back, you know, over eight years ago to something like LG could just be a few years. But um, it is a lot of time and a lot of investment, and you need people focused on this. And the state does have that. Arizona has been very, very intentional about that. Danny Seiden is joining us. He is the president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Um, so th- what does this mean economically for the state, but also for the town of Queen Creek, which for a long time has been viewed as kind of a sleepy retirement, very small town. But this is going to be big business for them. Oh, it's huge news, uh, Mike. You know, and Queen Creek wasn't even, a, a, you know, an official town or city, not, if you go back not too far ago. So this is a very big deal. They have a great mayor, Mayor Wheatley, who's been focused on this. She's been a, a great partner on this as well. But let's take a step back to talk about what this means for the economy. When I first started talking with you, I mentioned, you know, core power, American battery, life cycle, EcoBat. An announcement like this, which I think is now the largest um, you know, single investment ever for a standalone battery manufacturing facility in North America, this sets up that ecosystem. You know, one of the reasons why this is happening is because we've had Intel here for 40 years developing, you know, technology and manufacturing. Then we get TSMC with a $40 billion announcement. People want to come be part of that ecosystem. Then you get a Lucid, right, which we focus on very heavily. Lucid, you know, makes electric vehicles. And you get a Nikola that also makes electric trucks. That ecosystem of sustainable energy vehicles has led, I think, to more and more batteries, which supply those things, more and more battery facilities wanting to be close to it. So one one of these big announcements just builds on the other, on the other, on the other, and this is how we grow and, and really change what our state looks like. And you and I have talked about this before, Mike. We used to be more of a construction-based state, uh, more of a services-based state, and we've moved into more of an advanced tech manufacturing state. And every one of these announcements has ripple effects into our economy. So what will it mean for Queen Creek? It's going to continue to, to develop itself as a not just a, a bedroom community or a sleepy town, but a town that has, you know, high paying, high value jobs um, for, you know, really a growing trend in our economy of sustainable energy. So it's exciting time to be in Queen Creek in the East Valley. You know, for a long time, ASU has always been one of the largest universities in enrollment in the country. I think them and Ohio State are the two highest in enrollment back and forth over the years. But for a long time, it was students that graduated from Arizona State or U of A or NAU or any of the colleges. They were looking to get out of Arizona in order to get these higher paying jobs. This is really going to be an opportunity to keep those educated people here in our state where they can thrive in a career that's going to feed their families. So this is big for the next generation of workers right oh I, I, absolutely mike we were we were losing talent a lot if you go back 10 years i mean whether whether in the manufacturing engineering um field or, or any other but having these high paying jobs focused here in arizona the, the graduating class at asu and i cannot emphasize this enough whether it's asu nau u of a they all have taken part in what's called this new economy initiative the abor came up with the arizona board of regions and it, it was really addressed that pipeline of need and, and mike when we go to foreign countries when i would travel with then governor ducey and when now governor hobbs will go the issue of labor and talent will come up in every single conversation and in every conversation that i've had to be able to talk about ASU and their 30,000 engineers, that is known worldwide. Dr. Crow's done a great job. Dr. Robbins down at U of A with their advanced um, research as well. There is a lot to be excited about when it comes to our universities and the talent they produce, and that they know that talent will be here in state and they can come build these facilities and have people to work at them. So then let's talk about the other end of the something that I've been very focused on uh, when I talk about education is the CTEDs, the Career Technical Education Districts. The oh. importance of those now is also going to grow immensely, isn't it? 
Oh, CTEDS and JTEDS, yeah, the, those those types of programs, um, and we have some very excellent ones, whether you're talking about the East Valley Institute of Technology or different districts that have JTED and CTED programs built into them. These have been the funding for those programs, Mike, and you're right, you know, it's more the trades, more the BOTECs. They, um, th that has really increased from the legislature and the, the governor. This governor, Governor Hopster, credit, has been focused on dual enrollment and recognizing the need for this as well. And I think she's been supportive of legislation that's moving right now that will also help people get trained as early as high school to get out and get these jobs. But just to add on to the JTEDs, also our community colleges are great partners mm -hmm. here as well, too. They have a lot of two-year programs where you can go get trained. You know, Drive 48, someone that always comes up down at Central Arizona College, they built uh, an assembly line inside their school that looks just like what a Lucid assembly line looked like. You go there, you get trained, and then you have this high-paying job with just a two-year degree and certificate. It's fantastic. All, all of this is working together right now. I love good news, and Danny, it's always great to talk with you and get some insight, and hopefully we'll be doing this again soon. Yeah, anytime, Mike. I love to talk about the good news Arizona has, and you know what? We have an abundance of it right now, so get me back on here soon, and I'll tell you some more. Absolutely. Next time, we'll get you in studio. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks, Danny. That's Danny Seiden for the Chamber of Commerce. Coming up in a moment, the other side of this, Arizona is still struggling with absenteeism. We'll get to it in coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Just had a great conversation with Danny Seiden from the Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Um, and we talk about the, the importance of education. I talk about this a lot. The politics of education disgusts me, to be honest with you. I don't like the politics. Uh, education has become more and more of an issue that I talk about because I think it's the most important thing we can do for our children. And when this is one of the times I talk about our children as a community, we should have the best schools available for our kids. Chronic absenteeism soared during the pandemic. Here's why Arizona students are still not going to school. Um, uh, um, I believe even mental health days, said one mother, but the days add up faster than you realize. Uh, the pandemic is changing, and so people are not going back to school. They're choosing alternatives. But what it also comes down to is I believe that there is an is a more of a focus on what our schools are teaching and how they're teaching, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and there is, it is political. For everybody that tells you that it's not political, it absolutely is. I'm going to read a tweet to you. There is a... Um, an educator. She's with the Arizona Educators United, the AEU, and her name is Rebecca Gorelli. She is a, a self-proclaimed union advocate and organizer. She came from the Chicago area. She said a long time ago that she was happy to come to Arizona and be part of a militant labor movement. Now, that sounds pretty ominous to me, but the idea was we're going to unionize Arizona schools. This was about unionization. Well, since in the past eight years of the previous administration, so much money has been added to education. Now, notice I am not saying enough money necessarily because I don't know what that number is. But the denial that Arizona has been adding millions of dollars, billions probably, to the spending in schools is a ridiculous fantasy that it's not happening. So much money has been added to education that for two years in a row, we bumped up against a 1980s law that was voted on by the voters called the Aggregate Expenditure Limitation, meaning you can only spend a certain amount of percentage of the budget 
on education, and it's adjusted for inflation. And for the last two years in a row, we've bumped up against that where it had to be overridden by a two-thirds majority. But I want to read a tweet. Um, they, they they affectionately call her uh, Union Becky. That's her nickname, uh, which is not an insult. She likes the nickname. I'm not insulting her. I don't call her that because I don't know her. But Miss Corelli, this is a tweet. Now, Matt Gress is a uh, legislator, and they have a proposal that would give teachers a $10,000 pay raise. This is where it gets political. I'm going to read the tweet to you. This is from Rebecca Gorelli, and she's retweeting and commenting on Matt Gress's comments. This man is straight up lying to all Arizona educators. Don't fall for this. This is where it gets fun. No Republican wants to pay teachers more. They know their time is up as the majority part and are trying to save face. They have dec- they've had decades to raise pay and refused lies. Uh, 2018, over a three-year period, it was given that teachers were going to get a 20% pay raise. That money was allocated to all the districts. Districts uh, serve autonomously, which means they don't have to give the pay raises if they don't want to. Most of them got the 20% over three years. Some didn't. Now we're talking about another 10. The problem here is people like Miss Gorelli. They don't like Republicans in charge. So if this were a Democrat that gave a 20 percent raise, she'd be building statues in honor of that governor. But because it was a Republican governor, they hate it. If this was a Democrat majority wanting a $10,000 raise for teachers, they'd be building statues out in that, that courtyard between the House and the Senate office buildings in uh, at the state legislature. But because it's a Republican, the reason why I give you the ugliness of this is because in the end, all we care about is good schools and good teachers for our kids. The politics happening behind the scenes is this. This is about Republican Democrat. This is about we hate Republicans. That's what the drive is here. It's also the reason why they went from 77,000 people marching on the Capitol in 2018 demanding a raise to a dozen people that show up with megaphones at at any event they host. This is why. Because of the ugliness of the politics. Parents are paying closer attention. This is an interesting headline. I'm going to be brief with this. GOP school board push remains an elaborate theory in search of evidence. In other words, the parents that are questioning the curriculum and the behaviors in school. So it's all um, it's all a fantasy. It's, it's a theory. There's no reality to it. Um, okay. Elementary school teacher says confusing kids about gender is the goal. I've got audio. I'll play it later. Oklahoma teacher allegedly sent nude photos to minors accused of stalking and grooming at least 10 students. Virginia teachers arrested for inappropriate content with students. One was a male teacher with a male student. Another was a female teacher with with male students. Over and over and over again, these things are coming to light and parents have had enough. So is it systemic? No. Is it specific? Absolutely. And they're finally saying we aren't going to take this anymore. And so I just think it's an interesting look at what needs to be done. Coming up in a moment, U.S. and Mexico considering a deal on the border, and our president makes a deal on the northern border. We'll discuss both next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
We want to invite you to help us make a difference in our community. We started something called Broomheads Action Alliance. You can join us in community service projects across the valley as they come up. It's as simple as signing up for the list. You don't have to commit to every single one. We'll send you notifications when things are coming up, and you can join us when you can. We'll even send you a free T-shirt while supplies last. Just text the word ACTION to 411923. That's ACTION to 411923 and join us. Um, the U.S.-Mexico weighing a deal for Mexico to crack down on fentanyl going north while the U.S. cracks down on guns going south. It's all part of border security. I don't think that Mexico necessarily has uh, – I think they're making a legitimate complaint. Here's the problem with this. Uh, the uh, I'm not going to go too far down the road, but – if you remember years ago during the Obama administration when Eric Holder was the attorney general, uh, the DOJ was through the ATF. Well, this is my speculation. We know the ATF was doing it. We don't know how far up the DOJ ladder it goes. But there was a project in Arizona. It was called Operation Fast and Furious. And Fast and Furious was a project in which straw buyers, which are legitimate legal gun purchasers, were buying guns for uh, illegal use. They were buying them to give over to the cartels in Mexico. And uh, the ATF was surveilling this program. And so uh, there were a few involved, and they were in Arizona that were involved in these gun purchases. We're talking a total of over a couple of hundred, uh, not a couple of hundred, a couple of thousand rifles making their way to Mexico. And so uh, a couple of the dealers, one in particular, got suspicious of these purchases and did what they were supposed to do. They called the ATF and said, we're getting some weird purchases here on these rifles. And the ATF informed them, we are working a case make the sale. Well, they were smart enough to record those phone calls to cover their backside, so if this thing went sideways, they weren't going to get blamed for it. A couple of thousand guns, unsurveilled, by the way, crossed our border and into Mexico. I will tell you that uh, ATF agents on the ground were incensed. This came from management. This was a leadership decision at the ATF, and uh, those leaders in Arizona have all been either promoted or laterally transferred, with which is... Um, uh, they were uh, a PCS or permanent change of station to another place um, after this all happened because after those th- couple of thousand guns made their way into Mexico into the hands of the cartels, the ATF leadership did not tell anyone. According to then Homeland Security Secretary, former governor of Arizona, Janet Napolitano, she was never told of this. Neither was local law enforcement. Neither was the Mexican government. Nobody was told. All of a sudden, months later, uh, one of those rifles showed up at the scene of a murder of, uh, of, of Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. And it was after the death of, a, of an agent that ATF agents themselves, we're talking about the boots on the ground, said, we are going to tell this story. We don't care if it ruins our careers. And in a couple of cases, they will tell you it damaged their careers significantly. I bring this up because guns into Mexico is a big problem. The fact that it was politicized to that extent, and it was, by the way, the records were sealed so it could never be found out who exactly knew or approved this, um, that this program typifies what happens. The drug cartels are importing their poison onto our streets. Americans are distributing that poison throughout the country. Money is being sent back to Mexico. The Mexican cartels 
Sinaloa and others are then purchasing guns to become more powerful. Money is used for bribery. Money is used for weapons. And both make them stronger in their country. So Mexico wants a crackdown of guns. Now, what's interesting about this is both problems could be could be not if not solved, dramatically fixed if border security became the issue. But what you are going to see is you are going to see a movement from um, the American government to crack down on legitimate firearms dealers instead of the people that are buying the weapons, instead of how are they getting across the border unfettered, instead of fixing that problem, they're going to make it or try to make it more difficult for you and I to purchase firearms all in the name of trying to fix the problem in Mexico. That's coming. It is coming. But when you look at the border issues, the president of the United States was just speaking with the prime minister of Canada. They've made a deal making it easier to deport people or keep people from coming into the two countries. They are cutting deals there. There's more cooperation. We had Senator Cinema on with us um, last week, and she talked about the relationship she is developing with the president of Mexico, who sees that this is a big issue. The three legs of the stool are all intertwined, although they are independent in how you fix them. There's an immigration issue. There is a, a trade agreement issue, you know, revenue and trade. And then there is a border security issue. But I think it all begins and ends with border security. If we were to do what's necessary, and, and, and for our government, I think that this has become a tough issue because when it comes to the border, this president is an open borders guy in his, in his heart. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. It's an observation. He is more in favor of a much more lenient um, border, or I should say immigration security issue. He thinks that issue should be a lot more free of people coming across the border. Well, it's been unwelcomed by the American citizens because of what's happened at our southern border. Now you factor in the other parts of it when it comes to the drugs that are crossing the border and the crime that's crossing the border, and the American citizens are fed up. Not just Arizona, not just Texas, not just New Mexico and parts of California. It's America. New York is overwhelmed. Other states are overwhelmed. There was just a story about Cubans who got on a motorized hang glider. You've seen those and flew from Cuba to Key West. They were arrested when they landed. So when you when you see these things happening, when these things happen to us, um, people start to react and say something needs to be done. Um, I've, I've given you homework. I told you, go back, go on to Amazon Prime and get the documentary Cocaine Cowboys. And look how the city of Miami became so overwhelmed by the cocaine industry that it wasn't until they were significantly overwhelmed that the federal government had to get involved. And by then, it was a very uphill climb to make a dent in how much money the cartels were making. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars trading hands in the city of Miami. Um, we don't want to get to that place here. And if we learn from the past, we can avoid it. And we'll see if we do. I'm hopeful, but we will. We shall see if we do. Coming up in, in just a moment, what we're going to do is uh, we are going to talk about colleges and how they are trying to solve their problem of students not graduating. It actually is kind of funny. All of that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
Thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us on the show. A um, couple of things. Too few D.C. students finish college. This program aims to change that. And this is an NPR story that says to help new students adapt, some colleges are eliminating grades. <clears throat> um, the, I thought the entire reasoning for college was so that you was called it's called higher education it was so that you are showing a proficiency in being more educated than the average person um um so that is well let's tell you what before we get to this we got to toss it over to jeff munn for some breaking news mike uh, we just wanted to update the story that we just had a moment ago there's been a shooting at a private christian grade school in nashville the initial reports were that the shooter had been shot and killed and that several people had been wounded multiple media outlets are now reporting that three children have been killed in the shooting and uh, that coming from multiple media sources again the story in nashville is that there there has been a shooting at a private Christian grade school. Police are reporting that the shooter has been killed. Multiple media sources are now saying that three kids have been killed in the shooting. Our partners at ABC News will have more details coming up at the top of the hour. What a horrible story. Thank you, Jeff, for the update. Um, <clears throat> three children killed in this story. I'm, I'm looking over the, uh, the story right now as we speak. Uh, three of the children were pronounced dead after arriving at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, according to a hospital spokesman. No other patients are being treated at this time. Uh, the shooting unfolded this morning at the Covenant School, a Christian school for students in preschool through sixth grade. Uh, this is happening in Nashville as we speak. You just heard the update. Um, we will have more on this as the morning continues. And uh, that is anytime you hear something as horrific as this. Oh my gosh, it's just another one of those things that feels like a kick in the stomach. Um Let's. Uh, I'll do the best I can to get back to this other story. It's focused on the idea of these families now dealing with this is just uh, horrific. Um, talking about the higher education piece of this that we were talking about education, um, education, higher education, college has gotten much more expensive than in years past. There are many people questioning whether or not certain degrees are worth it. Now, you will hear the statistics, and I believe them to be true, that people with a college degree over the life of their, you know, over their careers, they make more money than people without a college degree, classically speaking. I'm the exception to that rule. And it's because I had a trade. But this is where people are finding a different pathway. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's different. There are many people that are seeing a two-year certificate, a one-year certificate, going to a CTED or a career technical education district is a better option for them. It gets them into the workforce faster with less debt, and there's longevity in the industries that they're choosing. Um, I, one of the things I think we've – two things about education that we are forgetting about – one is the basics. I think that we've gotten away from the basics, which is why colleges are forcing themselves to get rid of grades because kids are smart. I think young adults, the I call them kids, I apologize for that, but they're smart. That doesn't mean they're educated. There is a difference. They have the ability to learn. They don't have the tools. They can't read at grade level. They have no way they're going to read college-level material. They can't do college-level math. They're going to have a difficult time getting through. So instead of trying to figure out how we repair the K-12 through system so that we're sending equipped students into the classroom at college level, the idea of getting rid of grades and yet still giving people a degree for the same money, that scares me. 
it scares me because I'm going to be old. I mean, a lot of people think I am already, but I'm going to be old someday. I'm going to be retired, <clears throat> and I'm going to count on other people to pick up the mantle and carry the load when my time is done. And who are we turning it over to? We owe them an education when they're young, but we are going to reap what we sow by what we're doing now. The idea that a college is going to charge thousands of dollars a semester for a degree to give you a piece of paper that's worth nothing because you're not tested on grades and seeing what your proficiency is. Why would an employer care? You know, if, if you're an employer and you have a requirement of a college degree in order to hire someone, is it worth what it was 15 years ago? And the answer is, in many cases, it is not. There are still some degrees, and you know, you can go down the list of them when they're professionals. When you talk about nurses and doctors and you know, EMTs, uh, nurses assistant, all of these different fields, accounting and others, where you've got to have a degree, and that degree will carry you for the rest of your life. But there are some college degrees that you might as well you might as well put it next to your high school diploma it just means you finished except it's costing you thousands of dollars to get it and now we're getting to the point where colleges are saying we don't have enough people graduating because when they come on our campus and they see what's required of them they can't make the grade um i will tell you that the community colleges the um the CTEDs, as I talked about, having those, and there's adult ed programs. If you're someone out there saying that to yourself, either I don't have a college degree and I'm finding myself spinning my wheels, how do I get training in these areas? These CTEDs, Career Technical Education Districts, have adult education programs where you can go and learn a skill and a trade from people that are in that industry, and they will probably hire you and get you into that pipeline for a career moving forward. But the more and more colleges get expensive and then they tell you we're dropping grades, which means you don't you're not leaving really with much of value. That's a scary set of circumstances, I would think, for employers, because you have a requirement believing that that's going to get you a better employee pool when it might not be. What we're going to do just after 10 o'clock is we're going to talk about uh, retirement accounts and what ESG, if you don't know what ESG is, we're going to tell you, should your retirement account be invested in this in this pathway? And of course, you're going to get an update coming up here very soon about this horrific shooting in Nashville at a Christian school. So all that's coming up here, keep it locked here to KTAR News. We're going to keep you updated on all the important things you need to know. And it's all coming up here pretty quickly.